Welcome back, everybody. We're going to do a podcast. This is number 62 that we're doing. Um, doing this one a little bit differently. Um, haven't gone li- haven't done anything live in a long time. Um, and so we're going to do this podcast. We are recording it as a regular podcast. It's going to be a regular podcast episode. Um, but we're going to do it live. Ben's got his phone going on Instagram. I do see some people are there. Yep. Um, I've got mine on uh, Facebook, and so we're going to be live on Facebook too. And the reason that we're doing it is <clears throat> we're not necessarily going to, the podcast isn't going to be driven by um, Facebook and Instagram, but we are going to see, because I think it might add some value to it if we do it where we can get some questions and interaction. So um, we're going to do a regular podcast like we have been, um, 61 other ones. This is number 62. It's just this time. We're going to probably, I would guess, have some interaction um, with folks that are, that are watching, hopefully. And so um, you hear in the background, this is very real life. Um, Lillian just went down and took a nap. Um, we recorded a podcast about an hour ago, I suppose. Yep. Um, and Lillian was in on it with us. She's been in on our last couple. Um, the we just worked bella we just went and filmed a bella be good episode bella be good is that new series that we're doing on youtube um we are sharing promos to the to the social media stuff but we're not they're too big of videos and we're they're living on youtube so if you're not following us on youtube that is where you'll see all of the bella be goods we just launched a new series called inside the workshop that is going to be on both youtube and it's on facebook we're posting the whole thing and IGTV. And IGTV, as long as they are under 10 minutes, I think. So we're so those are series. And the reason we brought that um, inside the workshop, we're getting some people to come on. That's cool. Thank you guys for following. Um, so the reason that we did the um, inside the workshop video, to give you an idea of what it is, we've recorded over the last um, four or five years, We've done workshops for quite a few, but over the last four or five years, we have um, had camera crews at them, and we've documented them, and we've used the footage for some of our training DVDs, and they it helped us out a lot. It was real candid stuff that was real valuable that kind of tied into our training videos that we put out. Since then, we have hours and hours and hours of footage that is fantastic footage that I think is really valuable, and we kicked around the idea of what do we do with all this stuff. And so Ben has worked pretty hard on editing, minimal, like not really editing, but like breaking it into chapters. And what we're doing is we're creating, I think the first one you finished up, you got 24 episodes out of, right? So he took a workshop, he broke it into 24 episodes. They're different topics and subjects. And my buddy Craig Corp just came on and said, hi, hey, Craig. Um, so the those are going to go on YouTube. They're also going to go on Facebook and they're going to go on Instagram live as long as they're under 10 minutes. Our idea with it right now is there's some really strange things going on obviously out there. And I think A, we need to do something to try to help. Um, our hope is that those videos help um, someone that's training their own dog. Um, the second part of it is um, we we do have some time on our hands. I think some people have some people have more than others. Um, some people that have less time than others, but for those who do have an influx of time all of a sudden, I don't think there's anything more important than than reflecting and connect, reconnecting, maybe taking this opportunity to reconnect. And I think um, nature is part of it. I think it's a real important part of it. And the dog is an important connection to that. And I think what better time right now than to build and, and develop and uh, improve some of our relationship stuff in our lives with our families, with our dogs, with our friends, with our church, whatever it is you're doing, I think now is a perfect time for it. So inside the workshop series is not going to be a subscription thing. It's not going to be a um, video thing that you purchase and we send you digitally. Instead, it's going to be free. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Instagram. It's going to be on Facebook, Instagram as much as we can. But um, so that's kind of a, a catch you up on some of the project stuff that we're doing. This is going to be, Ben is recording this one, uh, both aud- 
the audio and the video for the promo. We are going to make it into, um, it's just another podcast for us. So, But the value, I think, is going to be we're going to watch and monitor some of the interaction your feedback and I don't you don't have to um inter- you don't have to interject ideas I you can just take it as a regular podcast and you listen to it live or if you have questions specifically because we're going to do this one built off of Instagram and Facebook or actually we're going to use Instagram today um primarily in in the repetitive questions that continue to come up we've done a lot of stuff on certain topics some topics um more than others Oh, we got a live, we cut out there on Instagram, but we're back. Um, some of these things we've talked about and we're just beat, I feel like sometimes we're beating a dead horse, but then I also think it's that important. And I also think it's that big of an issue that a lot of people run into similar situations that they're struggling with. Um, one of them here we're going to talk about first is going to be hold conditioning. Hold conditioning is something that I'm, I'm really glad people are um, asking as many questions as they are. I'm really glad people are having, not, not glad they're having the issues that they are, but having the interest in figuring it out. I've had, you, I can't tell you how many people have sent me messages that said, I force-fetched in the past. I really like this. I saw this video on YouTube. We have a video on YouTube right now that's an hour long. It used to be part of our DVDs, and we just decided to cut it out um, and, and offer it for free on YouTube. It's whole conditioning. It's an hour-long video that used to go inside of another video, but that video got too long. So long story short, it's a whole conditioning video. It's created a lot of feedback, a lot of good feedback. Um, and, and some folks are just not familiar with the process. Some folks have never heard of force fetch, whole conditioning, any of that stuff. Some people have um, have decided that, man, I think I might give that a try as opposed to putting the kind of pressure that I'm used to putting on these retrievers for doing something that I think is instinctive and natural and really doesn't need to put that much pressure and pain and fear. And it's just a trickle-down effect that I think erodes relationships with dogs. But so hold has gotten more questions in the last... I'm going to say month to six weeks, and I don't know why. Um, I have not hold conditioned Bella yet. Uh, Jay Lowry is on. Mike Knapp is on. Hey, guys, how are you? Um, I have not hold conditioned Bella yet, and and I haven't had to. And if you watched the series with her, you'll understand why. She's a very, very natural little retrieve. Um, we've shaped I, – I say we, sh- we haven't hold conditioned her. I shouldn't say that. I should say we haven't hold conditioned her formally. What we have done is – We've shaped it from the beginning, like from the very beginning. I just wrote an article for Gundog, and it's specifically about hole conditioning with her. It's in the Bella Be Good series that we're doing with them. Um, but it's talking about her natural tendencies to carry and retrieve stuff. It's been um, really, really crystal clear since the very beginning when we got her. And what we've tried to do is use it to our advantage as opposed to allowing it to become a problem. I think... Um, so when I say hold conditioning, the formal part of it, I do think is setting aside eight weeks, six weeks, four weeks, whatever it takes. I don't, I don't put time on it because I think as soon as you put time on it, people are disappointed. So don't worry about the time part of it. But when you set aside a window, and I say set eight weeks away aside because you'll be pleasantly happy, it's probably going to be less. But if you set that time aside, it's your focus. And there's certain things you just don't do during it. You're not going to retrieve during it. You're not going to do things that wash away what you're working so hard in the formal sessions on. What you do get out of it is this focused effort to clean it up once and for all. And from then, if you do it properly and you do it, see it through, you're going to eliminate the issues that you saw, the symptoms that you saw leading up to it. Now, it hold shouldn't start at that point. Uh, I think hold should informally start the first retrieve you get, the second retrieve you get, the thousandth retrieve you get in the meantime prior to the formal training. And I think if you do a good job with that, if you spend a lot of effort on making sure that that gets shaped, formed, and polished, then hold becomes much easier. And like in my case with Bella, it hasn't even been necessary yet. So I'm pretty lucky with it. Um, I do think she's a pretty special little dog, and and that is something that... um, has helped a lot, but part of it, I think, can fall back on the idea that we have spent a great, great effort um, shaping and forming it to start. I, I'm a believer in don't create a problem to, that you got to fix later. So when you when you don't when you don't allow 
bad habits to form, you don't have to fix as much stuff down the road. I do think that sometimes we um, have to really, really emphasize adopting that ideology from the start because if you don't, you make a you make it work a lot harder. Um, you're just not very efficient that way. It doesn't make sense to let things run amok and then clean it up when it's already got habits formed and entrenched. Just avoid those habits in the first part. That's the ultimate goal, I think, when it comes to training. So what we're going to do is let's jump right into the podcast, the first podcast question. It is from a, uh, an Instagram message. It's from a guy, uh, Will Bruce is, is who sent me it. Um, and, and it's a little bit different. It is a twist off of whole conditioning. Um, a lot of the whole conditioning questions, we, if you, how many whole conditioning podcasts have been in the Three last, or four in the last like 10. Yeah. So there is a heavy trend with it and I'm going to stick with it. And then this is where I think if someone is asking questions and look like some people are, are doing some stuff on Instagram and yep. are you going to be able to scroll back and look at those? Cause yeah, yeah. We okay. Can, so we'll, we'll, we'll put a little time into checking out questions. I'm watching Facebook. Ben's watching Instagram. Um, we will be able to kind of put in some time if there are questions or specific things that come up, but let's get into just the podcast. And so if, if you're watching it live, this might get a little bit boring to you because we're not going to treat it any differently. It's not going to be necessarily interacting with you right now. We're just simply giving you an inside look at the podcast recording, but and if you're listening to this on a podcast later, you'll understand. Uh, so it says, hi, Jeremy. Wanted to reach out to you, ask a few questions about hold conditioning. I've watched your videos. Really like how it does not use negative force on the dog and compared to force fetch. I have a six-year-old drop tower. So this one's a little bit different because most of the questions are coming in are pretty young dogs. This is, I have a six-year-old draw tower. She's done great in the field for a long time, but has always struggled with retrieving a dead bird. She'll retrieve anything but a dead bird. She will run to it, pick it up, maybe carry it a few feet, and then drop it and move on. However, she has no problem retrieving dead birds in the water. Until she gets to land, then she drops them. I want to ask if you believe hold conditioning would work on a dog her age. She's pretty smart, high drive, uh, high prey drive, and is not scared of anything. Um, please let me know what you think. So I, I have been lucky enough to, to see and work with some draw tires. I know some guys that have them. I know some guys that breed them. Um, pretty... Uh, pretty interesting story about that dog but um so i answered back to him i answered him yesterday this message came on saturday i gave him an answer i'll read you my answer and then i'll the nice part about it is with a podcast i can get into it a little bit more probably um you can only thumb out an answer so much because a they do restrict how many words you can type back and forth and b the autocorrect kills me anyway like half the time i reread what i've written in it I, I, there are words that don't make sense. And so I do my best using the social platforms as I can. The Instagram people will know that, that I'm, I, sometimes I reread an answer back and I go, man, that, does, that would be hard to understand. Sometimes I get questions on Instagram and I go, I have no idea what this person is talking about. And it's, I think partially because heavily because, um, you know, the autocorrect stuff. But so my answer to him was, yes, I'd hold condition here and the birds would be built in to the process. I don't think, I think when you do, when you go through hole conditioning, whatever it is you're going to pick up with the dog should be built into the process and the steps remain the same. You know, we use a wooden dowel and you see us using a wooden dowel a lot. Um, I've seen other tools that people use, they're barbell looking things. Um, I don't care what you use. I, I do think you have an advantage to use certain things. I, the reason I like a wooden dowel is um, primarily because when we first start out, it's probably in a lot of for a lot of dogs it's pretty uncomfortable they don't necessarily like it and i don't mean like pressure i don't mean like we're hurting them I don't, we're not pinching their ears we're not pinching toes we're not putting pressure onto the point of them squealing or squirming or, or or literally in pain but it does turn into what i call a little bit of a wrestling match with some dogs um if you go on our youtube you'll see me doing it with some people, especially at workshops. When we have people come to workshops that are struggling with it, we'll put their dog up on the freezer and I'll start working with them. And it becomes a little bit of a wrestling match to get the dowel even into the dog's mouth to start out with. Sometimes the first session, I don't even take the dowel out. Sometimes it's just putting them on the on the elevated platform or whatever you're using. I use, I'm pretty complicated, I use a freezer. Um, I just, it's an elevated freezer. I have two of them side by side, they're big chest freezers. They work perfectly for me height-wise. They work for me because I've got a flight of stairs that go up above them and I can put a tack in there and I can hang a little tether so I can tether the dog up so that it can't duck out from me. So I can do certain things with that setup that are good for me. 
I've done it as simply as putting them on the back of a tailgate of a pickup truck too. So I don't think you have to um, be super complicated with it. But the first sessions might just be getting them up on the table and getting them comfortable. This, maybe you can put the dowel in their mouth. Maybe they take the dowel. Some don't, some do. But sometimes we do end up having to be a little bit wrestling with them to get it into their mouth to start it out with. And so the wooden dowel I use because I've never trained a dog to hunt wooden dowels, never going to train a dog to hunt wooden dowels. And so this first part of the process, for some dogs that are a little bit more sensitive, isn't the best. It's not that enjoyable. And I really don't mind them having that connection of something that isn't real enjoyable with a wooden dowel because I just don't think I'm risking much. I wouldn't start out with a training dummy. I don't want to use one of my training dummies that we're going to use with them that I want them to love, I want them to like, I want them to understand as a real positive thing and turn it into that's my wrestling match to begin with because I don't want them a connect. I'm risking it enough that them connecting me on this. I don't do this until my dogs trust me. Um, and so that's another reason why sequencing wise, timing with hold conditioning. I had a guy call me, I had a guy message me the other day that's wants to hold condition his dog he started it and he's really having a hard time and now his dog's freezing on him and locking up and having all sorts of problems and i said well how you know i asked more questions I said, how old five months i said jesus man way too early there's no reason and and he said yeah but i had problems we did a podcast on it um the guy was guy had a dog that was i think running off and feather plucking i said well there's another problem don't put dogs don't why do you birds why are you putting birds in dog's mouth at five months old right now and he said, well, I want to hunt them this year. I said, now, you, now we're getting to the problem. You're driving everything based off of a calendar. You're driving everything off of the time. And there's just no reason to do it. It's, it's, you're going to run into trouble with it. So forget about the timing part. But the age does matter. And so that five-month-old dog has only been with you for three months. My 10, 12, however old they are, has been with me that many more months my trust is there. That confidence is there. My, they're my buddy. They're my friend. And so when we start out with this process where we're putting something in their mouth and it's uncomfortable, A, the wooden dowel, if they don't like a wooden dowel when this is done, that's fine. I've never seen a dog not like it by the end. It's usually just in the beginning. Um, but so we use the wooden dowel. Now he's saying, I, so my, I get off track here, but so I do think you go through this process, start it out with a certain object, and then you can, then you repeat it. You replicate the entire process with different objects. Um, if you want your dog to pick up antlers, eventually I'm going to have my dog hold condition using an antler. Uh, because I want, I, I want this thing to be, the whole idea of it is almost like a little bit of brainwashing where we get these dogs to understand once they put it in their mouth, they can't set it down. We got to tell dad they bring it back to me they bring it back to whoever and we tell them okay dead what release whatever you want to call it so i say dead but it doesn't matter what you use as long as you use it consistently so uh let's see as far as so i'll restart my my answer here so yes i'd hold conditioner with the birds um it would be built into the process just like anything else now he is starting out with his hold conditioning um it sounds like on a six-year-old dog. So he's, here's the one thing about six-year-old dog is, boy, you got a lot of habits in that dog. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. He said something about um, dogs done really well, uh, done great in the field for a long time, but always struggled with retrieving a dead bird. It's really hard to do well in the field if you don't retrieve a dead bird, if you can't retrieve a dead bird. So I do think, you know, this is something that I would be putting a lot of emphasis on, and I'm glad he is. So, sec so my answer was, yes, I'd hold condition with the birds, build it into the process. As far as the water goes, because remember he had this issue where dog was dropping when it came out of the water. I said, as far as the water goes, I think it's a pretty common issue. I see it a lot. I see it a lot with puppies. We get them into the water, which right now we're not doing it around here, but some people are down south. Eventually we will be. Um, when the dogs come out of the water, what is the first thing the dogs want to do? They want to shake. And so what's the first thing that happens is they shake and out goes the dummy or they spit the dummy shake and then go to pick it back up if you're lucky sometimes they spit the dummy shake and on to the next thing so it's not uncommon that he's seeing this he's he so i said as far as the water goes it's not uncommon the dog gets back to the bank it drops and it shakes off the way to fix it is incrementally and so i think one of the things now you got a six-year-old dog with six years of habits if you've got a six-week-old dog you're probably not doing this yet but you're not far off of it maybe going to be swimming might be happening in the next month or two. So what I like to do is start it out from the beginning and just no different than introducing them to water, I like to go right in the water with them. 
And so when we start making little retrieves, if you watch Bella Be Good, we did this with Bella. Um, we did it in the pond over there. Mm-hmm. Her first wa- After the first weekend of her being in the water, we made some water retrieves with her. We came back here, we went into our little training pond, and we made some retrieves with her. And I had boots on, and I went into the water, and the water was up to you know nearly my knee. And so when she came back to me, before I let her get out of the water, I was there to receive the dummy. And so she never, one of the spots that I really like to go to actually when I'm having a hard time with the dog holding is into the water because very rarely do I ever see a dog spit a dummy on on the water. Once they get in their mouth, they don't have to work real hard. They just have to kind of be a tugboat and buoy that thing back in. So once they're in the water, they rarely spit it out. That's a perfect habit forming thing. So a lot of times I will go to the water actually as a tool. And so when we get into the water and we get them out there and we get them coming back to it, I intercept them before they get to the bank and I tell them how good they are. I get to where they can just touch their feet on the ground. So they're not necessarily swimming, but they're touching their feet on the ground. When they touch their feet on the ground, I'm right there. I get underneath them and I tell them how good they are and I remind them, hold, hold, hold. Now remember, we haven't hold conditioned this dog yet. It's young. So we're forming and shaping the habit early on. Every little retrieve we make with a young pup, whether it's on the water or on land, we shape and form that delivery. So specifically for this guy, because he's talking about the water, I would do that with this drotar. I'd go in the water with it and I'd start out the exact same way that I would with the puppy. And I'd get the dog to swim to me and as soon as it touches its feet to the ground, I'd be there to meet him and tell him how good and remind him, hold, hold, hold. So we're gonna, we're gonna use the water to our advantage that way. From that, when I say incrementally we build on it, I say then take a step back and get to the point where the dog gets up out of the water. Your drotar is probably a little bit taller. Your drotar can walk through the water. The puppies maybe swim till the point where they're almost to the shore. The drotar's got long legs and can walk out of the water. And a lot of times, as soon as they hit that bank, they spit and shake. So you're gonna be two steps before they get to the bank and get them, get them to swim to you, get, do this over and over and over to form a habit, then get them to walk, remind them to hold, have them deliver, then get them to get to the bank where he normally was gonna spit and drop it, and you, you read the body language of the dog, and as soon as the dog goes to, you ah, 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 hold, then you start hold, get that hold back in, and then you're gonna praise the delivery, you let him drop, and then let him shake. I give my dogs a little bit of a shake command, okay, shake off. You know, get them done, get the dummy from them, shake off, and I give them a chance to shake. They'll actually hold their shake when they get a little bit older because they wait for that cue for me to shake. It's a great little trick. You can get away from them, take a step back, let them shake, and they don't get you wet. So so I said to him, the way to fix it is incrementally. First, meet the dog on the water, take the delivery for some time, begin shaping the right habit. From there, meet him at the bank. First step out, take a delivery, reminding him to hold, then take... Then again, it takes a lot of time to form the habit. That you, this isn't going to happen after two or three sessions. You gotta, you're going to have to build in a lot of repetition. Then I said you can give them the shake command, so I talk about that with them. From there, you can take another two steps back. And then what you do is you can slowly add distance to the point where the dog gets in this habit where it's not needing the reminder every time it walks out of the water to hold, don't shake, hold, hold, hold. You get to the point where it becomes a habit where the dog comes out of the water and he just wants to get over to you and hold on to that thing and he just he doesn't has no desire to shake anymore until he gives it to you because he does he's, it's it becomes a habit. I don't shake till dad takes it from me. I don't shake till dad takes it from me and tells me to shake. So that's the answer. So that would be my answer to this guy's specific question. And then he said he answered back. Um, he actually replied. I sent that to him last night. He sent me a message back today and he said, okay, I'm using the wooden dowel now. When she gets the hang of it, do I switch to the bumper and then a dead bird? And I said, yeah, same steps, different objects. So um, he said, probably going to have some more questions in the future. No problem. That's why we're here. So that's a hold conditioning extension. Let's see. Now I've got another one. And did any questions come up about holding that? No. I don't think I've seen any. Nicole came on the short-haired husky clan. I saw that. Nicole's expanding herself there, getting away from the GSP, going mushing style. Um, I don't see any questions yet on Facebook, so that's fine. But the the so people listening to the podcast later down the road, um, we may get value out of doing this live and 
Maybe we don't get anything out of it. Maybe just some people watch our podcast. Maybe some people are seeing this on podcast and not realizing we have a podcast. I don't know how you would because I post a lot of little promos. But um, either way, now we're going to move on to the next question here. I'd like to blow my nose right now, but I can't do it. I'd have to, I'd have to sanitize down everything. Uh, okay, here is a question that we, I went back and forth on um, several times. I think, I think I, it's a gal. I think I saw her. I think she was live before. Um, Amber, Amber, Amber Rose. Yeah, she was on this. Um, I th- so. I messaged back to her here this morning because I had missed her question. We had a couple questions. She sent a couple questions back and forth. Um, And she's got, I think it's a chocolate dog that she's got. I'm going to go back here and see if I can find seven months old on March 11th. So that was a while. That was a couple, uh, two weeks ago maybe. Um, So here's, I'm going to bring you back up to speed. I think we talked about this in another podcast i think we might have touched on this but so it's gotten a little deeper now so she's got seven month maybe we didn't seven month old um pup and we're realizing that we missed some steps so we're trying to take steps backwards to move forward with him successfully a i think you got the right idea there a uh, b seven month old puppy is very much a puppy um c you have to go backwards at times and fill in holes in order to take steps forward. So her seven-month-old puppy um, wondered about barking back at me. So this was, this is, she's got a little dog that sounds like it's a little vocal. So her first question was, it wasn't even her first question. It was like, I don't know. It was, it was we've exchanged quite a few messages here now that I look at it. So I want, she, it's barking back at her. Uh, she remembered me saying in a video somewhere not to respond to it. Don't warrant its attention, even if it's negative. He did again today, and I got stern. I got a stern no and a swat on the nose, and body language totally changed in the sorry mode instead uh, of continuing to go on. So here's, I had sent her. She had she had sent me a message about this dog barking at her, and I went responded back to her and I told her, you know, I see a lot of times where dogs, it happens a lot when you put them on place. Um, You put a little puppy on place, they get on there, some just settle in and melt beautifully. Others, and and I see it sometimes, um, get a little mouthy and they start yapping at you and they're barking at you. And, and, And I do tell people, leave dogs alone when they're being vocal. Don't give them attention. That's what they want. That's primarily in the kennel. When they're whining and fussing in the kennel, I try to leave them alone. Let them let them just work through it. Don't give in. Don't give them the attention that they're looking for. Even negative attention. I think she's probably referring to a podcast because I remember someone sent me a message about it that they never realized, you know, negative attention still is attention, which is what they're looking for when they're in those candles barking. So that that she probably is is referring back to that. And I did say that. But I also so and I don't want to be sounding wishy-washy on stuff. In a place in a place situation when a little puppy turns and starts barking at me, it is disrespectful. I've had several people send me videos of their dogs doing it, and they are just being little brats, and they're barking at you, and they're making up, they're throwing a tantrum. And so I think it's, you know, my dogs don't do it very often. I, very rarely, if ever, do they yip and yap at me. And so the quick, I think it's a very nip-it-in-the-bud situation. A quick, sharp, firm, doesn't have to be overwhelming, but it's got to be firm enough to get a change. That's enough. Ah, enough. And so I'll correct it. And typically those dogs go, oops. And they put their head down and go, sorry about that. Not going to do it again. It usually ends it very quickly. Pick them up. If they're very little, I'll pick them up by the scruff of the neck. Ah, no, 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 no. That's enough. Just like mom would have done. And I get basically done with it at that point. So I had told her that. And it sounds like she gave him a stern no, a little swap to the nose. And body language totally changed to sorry mode, which is what now, what you got to be careful of is when you do make that correction and you get the change, well, then let's remind them when they do it right. I think we're oftentimes as handlers really quick to correct. We forget to praise. We're always looking to nitpick. We're always looking to, you didn't do this right. I'm going to nag at you. But when they do it right, just as quick as you are to pick on them, you should be there to go, Good boy. Good. 
you don't have to necessarily um, overpraise them to the point where you spin them up and they lose control, but you need to market and let them understand that's what I want. They're trying to make us happy. And so you better let them know when it's right, when, it, when they are, and you better let them know when they're not. And you better be damn crisp about it both ways because if you don't, you miss it. So you gotta be really, your timing's gotta be really good with it. And you gotta remember to do both. Um, so as soon as she got done with that and he went, oh, sorry, mode, in her words, I would say, I hope you were there to say good and let them know that it was the right thing. And then all of a sudden, they understand. I think the biggest problem we have right now with dogs is they don't think like people and we don't understand that. And so we don't realize that, boy, they really do want to make us happy. And if they don't know what it, do, what it is that is making us happy, they don't stand a chance. So I think we really have to become very good at the idea of being clear at speaking their language, not expecting them to speak ours. So uh, she said, I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, response to that behavior yesterday it was the first time for, for me with doing it. I said, I do think it is the way to handle it. Keep me posted and let me know. Uh, be patient and enjoy the process. I think that's another point. Be patient can't be. Patience can't be talked about enough. I, again, beating a dead horse. I talk about being patient all the time because I just think it's the most important thing. Um, but I also think you should enjoy this process. Like if you're having fun with it, it's a lot easier to continue to do it. If you hate doing it, if you hold grudges on these little dogs, you won't gain, you won't get much out of it. I think you have to be, you have to like the dog. And so when you like the dog, you'll do more stuff. When you do more stuff, it's more consistent. When it's more consistent, it forms better habits. But it, I think most of us get excited about the end, the end product, going hunting, if it's a hunting dog, um, going for a walk uh, to the park with the kids, to a soccer game, if it's a family dog, uh, whatever it is you're doing with it, end goal. We all get excited about doing it, and we get in a rush to get there. And 99% of it is getting there, and we don't enjoy that. I think that needs to be more fun than the end result. And so when that happens, when we embrace that and we go, man, this is kind of fun getting there. I, I talked about this in the last podcast. I'm going to talk about it now. The, a book that I just am reading, rereading. Um, the guy said, life is really short, too short to rush through it. I think that, boy, I, I think there's a lot to be said there. Life is so short. Why do we always want to rush through it? This training, pro the, your dog is, the amount of time you're going to have your dog is so short. Why do you want to rush through it? I want to extend it as long as I can, which is why I always tell people my training is ongoing. I'm never done. Is she finished? No, none of mine are ever. They never will be. So we're constantly working towards improving. Now, let me get back to this last question here. Uh, with her. So she says, I'm having, so this is a recent question. Uh, we, we, a couple weeks went by. Uh, that was, uh, maybe not, maybe three, four, five days went by. This was a message I got on the 14th. I'm having a lot of trouble with the puppy constantly wanting to bark in his kennel. Loud, obnoxious barking. You suggest anything to help with that. He does it day and night, anytime in his kennel, and it's making me crazy. Also, since they should be being supervised all the time. What do you do to help burn off extra puppy energy? They tend to have when they're not running them, when we're not running them to hunt sheds. I'm at an absolute loss with what to do. Both of these things and the barking can get frustrating when he's doing it in the middle of the night. So first off, the frustration part is going to be, um, the answer is going to be patience. Um, when you get frustrated, your dog knows it better than you know it, sooner than you know it. They read us better than we can read them. And so they also have to be in a state of mind to accept learning. And when they are, when they, when you are frustrated and they are disappointed because they've let you down, they won't ever learn anything. They're going to recruit, they're going to pull back. And so you're just not going to gain anything out of it. So whenever someone tells me it's especially frustrating, when, you, when I can read the frustration in your message on Instagram, it's tenfold in person, guaranteed. You're probably softening it up for me a little bit. You're probably politening it up a little bit for me. You're probably pretty pissed off at home with the dog. And don't think for a second that the dog doesn't know that. And when they know that, you're not going to get anything. You're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really hard 
on your relationship. And I do think that it, it's a relationship built on love. You have to love the dog. The dog loves you. That's the nice part about dogs. They love you regardless. We can't hold grudges against puppies for doing something like barking at night. Now, what can we do? We can try to fix it. We can try to curb it. We can try to shape the behavior. Um, so I messaged her back and I said, well, and the reason I'm reading this one right now is because I just had this conversation with a guy two days ago, and I'll talk about that in a second. But So I messaged her back today, and I missed the question. Uh, it was on the 14th. Today is the 24th. 25th, something like that. So I missed it. So I said, hey, missed the question. I apologize uh, for the late reply. I said, I think the kennel thing is a lot easier from the start. You got to remember, this one's got a seven-month-old, not seven weeks. Seven weeks would be a lot easier, and I'd probably be answering it a little bit differently. Seven months, you've got five months of habits potentially built into this dog right now. So it's a little bit harder. Is It is completely doable. But I said, I think it's a lot easier from the start. It's simply... Um, Putting the pup into, again, the autocorrect as I reread my answer, I go, man, what the hell did I say to her? Uh, idea is being in there. Okay. <laughs> no wonder she doesn't like sending me messages. She can't read them when I sent her back. I said, I wanted to say, it's simply the idea of giving the pup the, uh, the understanding that being in there and, they, and that whining and barking won't get them out. So... Dogs get in the kennel, they whine, they bark, they fuss, and then we go let them out. And they go, hmm, that was easy. Just do that again. And we whine, bark, fuss, they get out. Whine, bark, fuss, they get out. It's a real snowball, and it goes the wrong way. So what we need them to understand is whining, barking, and fussing doesn't get me out of here. Being quiet, being behaving well the way I want them to, that might get me out of here. And the other part of it is I want them to go into that kennel, and I want them to understand this kennel's not that bad. I think they're a little bit in shock when they go in there because they go, this sucks. I'm grounded. I'm isolated. I'd like them to go in there and go, whew, what a break from all the chaos going on. What a nice, safe spot. So I think it's twofold. I think you got to build that place to be safe. It's not punishment. I think some people turn kennels into punishment early on, and then dogs dread them. Don't want to go in there because that's the last place they want to go. They're just screwed up. The dad's pissed at me, and he tells me to go in my kennel. I want it to be positive. Sometimes I feed the dog in the kennel early on. Um, I get them to want to hurry up and get in there with the idea of, boy, I'm going to get a reward coming in here. Eating is a real positive thing for little pups. So we can start to turn that place that may be a little negative for whatever reason, probably that we created it, make it into a positive. But I want them to understand that A, whining and fussing doesn't get them out. So there is this, this battle of will. Who's going to give in first? And so you're going to have to deal with some whining, fussing, and, and, and noise. At seven weeks, it's not so bad because they usually can. we can usually curb that within a few nights. At seven months, after five months of doing this, eh, you might have a little bit more of a challenge on your hand. But I think you can do a few things to set them up. Um, so I said, if they're older, the habits have been formed, and they've gotten attention for the noise, they think that's what they do to get out if they want to. Um, it can take more time to get past it the further it's gone. I think the setup has a lot to do with it. And so uh, I, I, that's what I said. I think the setup has a lot to do with it. Keeping the dog in an area that they can't see or hear you is key. I find that covering the kennel usually helps also. I think that the distraction, eliminating the distraction, putting them in a room that they can't hear or see you is first and foremost. I think you might put them in another room and close the door. I think A, it does two things. It keeps it a little bit quieter for you. Um, helps with your sanity, but it also it removes them from a lot of the distraction and temptation. Covering the kennel is another incremental step that I'll do. I'll put a blanket over it. I'll put a, a towel. I think you got to be careful so that they can't get a hold of it, pull it in, and chew on it. Um, if they're a little puppy, and this is the guy, this is the exact same scenario I talked with a guy on the phone with um, two days ago. His was seven weeks old, not seven months. And with him, I said, I won't hesitate to put a towel into the blank, into the kennel. Give him a soft little spot to curl up and warm. You know, that you just peeled that dog away from his whole family. And he's lonely and he's scared and you've turned his life upside down. Make it a little more comfortable for him. A seven-week-old puppy, I don't have a problem putting in there. As long as you're careful because the kennel is our tool that we're using to housebreak. That's another reason why we're using them. Don't let the dog have a mess in there because we don't want that dog laying in its own if it pees on the towel and then it's laying on it, then all of a sudden it becomes a dirty dog and it likes the idea of it thinks that's normal. It thinks it's okay. We don't want to have that habit. 
But putting that towel in there, as long as you're doing a good job with your housebreaking, allows them to get a little bit comfortable, a little bit warmer, curl in there, feel a little bit, feel a little bit better. I take it out by the time they're starting to show signs of chewing. Those little puppies aren't going to chew on that. They're not going to, if they do, they're not going to make any damage to it. I get it out of there by the time they can because it's a real, real expensive surgery when the dog's got pieces of towel in it and it's all blocked up. And if you're lucky enough to get the surgery and have success, way too many dogs have chewed up socks, chewed up underwear, chewed up towels, gotten blankets. Um, some of them, no problem. They pass it through like they're uh, steel, steel intestines, but others, it's really, really risky. So I don't run the risk with a young dog. I don't run the risk with an old dog. My real old dogs that I know aren't going to be in that habit, I'm okay with it. Um, they, hell, they get little pillows. But in the meantime, in the middle there, we don't do it. So I'd put a towel in there for the seven-week-old. I wouldn't put it in there for the seven-month-old. He'll have it shredded and half of it will be eaten. Um, but what we, I will do is cover it, make sure that the dog can't pull it through the holes of the kennel and chew it up. Um, it's just one thing you got to be careful of. Now, when it comes to burning off energy, because she asked about how can I burn off energy in this puppy, <clears throat> and she's right, she's got a puppy. Um, seven months old is still a puppy, seven weeks old is a puppy. We talked about burning off the energy in the last podcast, right, mm -hmm. with the puppy. Yep. So episode 61, this is 62. Episode 61, we talk about burning it off for the puppy. We're going to talk about it here again. Um, I think people get in a bad habit of burning off energy means you get on the four-wheeler, you get on your bike, you get in your rollerblades, whatever. You go and you go to the dog park and you let the dog just free run all over because they're going to wear themselves out. And it will work for a very short period of time. It will become a bigger problem in the big picture. And the reason is, is because they're athletes. They're just like people. And I talked about in the last podcast, I can't, I'm, I haven't run for years. Um, believe it or not, at one point in my life, I ran a little bit and it kind of felt good. I should probably do it again. But um, I, today, would probably run a half mile and I'd be really, really gassed. Uh, it takes a half mile just to warm up and, and get past that first point of running. If you're a runner, you, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. But you get through this first part and then all of a sudden you get, you get a little bit, you get things moving, you get warmed up. I'd have a hard time getting to that point just because I get winded that quickly right now. But if I did it for three, four days a week, five days a week, within a couple times, I probably would run the half mile and go, not so bad, it's pretty, pretty doable. And then I'd say, I got past that wave, and now I'm gonna run another half mile. And so now I'm running a mile. And the first time I run a mile, I'm probably a little sore, and probably a little winded, but I do that three, four, five times in a row, and I go, eh, half mile. I get past my half mile mark, I get to my mile mark, and we keep going. Because I'm not getting sore anymore, I'm not getting tired anymore, I can breathe still. I, 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 what am I doing? I'm building up my endurance. I'm, I'm training. That's what runners do. That's what athletes do. That's what anything physically, you build it up. If you're lifting weights, you, you can't lift certain weights until you do it so many times, and then all of a sudden you become stronger. And you can lift more weight. Well, the idea of Dog parks free running, the idea of taking dogs and just letting them sprint, it's physical and it will wear them out physically for a temporary short window. It's not permanent. And so what I like to do is balance the physical part. I like to balance physical part with mental part. I think we have to challenge them both ways. And I like to balance it. And so we might walk 100 yards total and in that 100 yards, we may cover 100 yards. 100 yards is nothing. We may physically only cover 100 yards, but we turn and we're in heel position with them and we turn 50 times in that 100 yards, meaning I go inside turns, I go outside turns, I stop, I stick to the whistle. I do a bunch of stuff that causes my dog to think about it the whole time. And if they're thinking about it, A, we're physically getting a little bit of work in. We're, we're moving around. We're stretching our legs. But we're thinking about it and being forced to think the entire time as opposed to just mindless exercise. Now, I do think there are times for mindless exercise when we want to build the condition of the dog up. Uh, I'm, going to hunt, I'm going to start hunting the dogs in mid-September. I'm not going to wait till September 15th to take the dog out and go its first quarter mile because your dog's going to tip over. He's going to, have a, he's going to die of heat exhaustion. So 
we condition the dogs to get them ready for the for that mid-September. And we slowly add more distance. We put more length to it. We get them in shape. The more you run, the more weight they lose. That was part of my thing. I was running because I was trying to lose weight. This is a, year, a couple years ago. I, again, I could use it again. And so when I was running, it got a lot easier. Hell, I was running 10 miles at a crack, and I had lost 30 pounds from when I started. And you know how much easier it is to run with 30-plus pounds? It's all part of the snowball effect of the momentum. And so when we get our dogs in better shape, they can do more. They don't get as tired. So that's the point. But with these puppies, the point is not just mindless exercise. The point needs to be challenging both mentally and physically. You will be amazed at the impacts that you find with a dog that you might run a lot less physically, but you challenge them mentally and the combination of the two wears them out. And I do think that you have to build in some type of activity. I can't tell you when we go, we go a couple days around here without much or very little physical exercise for the puppies, for the dogs, holy Christ, All right, we got our hands full. Because even these dogs that are super calm and great disposition, they get a little stir crazy as well. And then once you do give them that little bit of venting, that little bit of exercise, and it doesn't mean mindless running, it means we go do something, mentally and physically. They come in and they curl up and they sleep like as hard as they've ever slept. So it's, it's combining the two and being consistent with that. So that's my answer for Amber Rose on the idea of how do we get that burn off of energy. I don't like looking at it as a burn off of energy. Um, I just think we have, to, we have to be smarter about it. We have to challenge them both ways when it comes to the physical part and the mental part. And the other thing that you're going to get out of it is you're going to get another session out of it. You can get another nice little opportunity for the dog to learn something and build off. And that's where the consistency comes in. That's where the repetition comes in. That's where you train for 10, 15, 5, 45, whatever the amount of time your dog is capable of focusing on. You train for that amount of time and you get something out of it. But I really believe that the dogs really gain from what happens in between those sessions. If all you're doing is training during your window of training sessions, that's very few opportunities for things to be turned into habits and stick. What I think needs to happen is, where the, the real important part is, what the hell happens between the sessions? If you can build in mini micro sessions through everyday activity, you build training into everyday stuff that you're doing, you just are taking advantage of replicating what you worked on, building a specific skill in a drill, and then you're implementing it into real life. It's much more realistic you're going to get a lot more results. You're going to get a lot more repetition, which is going to form more habits. So let's look. That or, Those are the two questions. Those are the two Instagram questions that we answered for this podcast. Now what we're going to do is the reason we did it live was to try to get a little bit of um, interaction based on what we were talking about, which I think is almost always an advantage because what it does is it allows um, – more information that I maybe don't think about, maybe don't cover, maybe it not, maybe hell, maybe I'm not answering the question right for some people. Uh, should we do yours first? Do you want? To, sure. I got very few on Facebook. So. Yeah, I've got two or three. So it says, "What's the best way to work on perfect recall with my one and a half year old chocolate lab that likes to run laps around when she gets the bumper? She seems to get distracted easier. Better just just work on staying calm." That's a question. Okay, so. Well, I think it's a, yeah, that's a couple questions. Now, so you've got a couple symptoms is what you have there. The first question is how do you get, let's talk, let's, we'll just tackle it one by one. What's the best way to get work on perfect recall? I like using, now, perfect recall to me is you call a dog, they come to you. I think you need to look at it and go, where, where are the problems? Typically, the issues would be when distractions come in. Um, you know, you might be outside and I don't know, likes to run. So the, they go into a second part of this and that's not necessarily, it is partially recall, but it's delivery to hand. So we'll talk about that. And that's a perfect one because it, it ties into hold conditioning. But so the perfect recall part of it, I think a, 
it needs to be incremental and it needs to start. Now you've got a, it's a year and a half old lab. I don't know how good or bad you are with it, but a year and a half is a lot of time. So there could be a lot of habits there that eh, aren't, the per, aren't the best right now. So I would, myself, minimize all the opportunities to fail. I'd set up to be in a spot that helps the dog. Because what we need the dog to do is we need the dog to do the right thing. And we need the dog to do the right thing over and over and over until it can't help but do the right thing. That's a habit. So I like corridors. I like long hallways. Close the doors. What, what options does the dog have? Come to me or sit in a hallway? If you go and do this in your backyard, if you go do this in the neighbor's 40 acres, if you go do this in the park, if you go do this in a dog park, if you go do this anywhere else that there's distractions, you are up against so much stuff that you cro you're crossing your fingers hoping that this works. And every time it doesn't work, you just form another habit. You just reinforce the habit. You the wrong one. Joseph, you got to be careful and you got to start adapting the idea they're always learning, you're always training. Every opportunity you have is gonna help either shift this behavior or reinforce it. And so, if I got a dog that doesn't like to recall, I got a very simple fix at a year and a half. Dog goes on a lead, dog goes on the lead. And, and I tell people that, what, what should I do? My dog wants to run off all the time, put him on a lead. Ah, oh, I can't do that. I don't wanna have to put him on a leash all the time. It's not permanent if you do a good job, it is, temporary until you change the habit so it takes work to change the habit and it will take time and consistency and repetition so if you have sometimes the dog comes back it doesn't count because the majority of the time it doesn't so what habit is stronger so i would put the dog on a lead in in situations that are distracting and causing fail i would work on in this in an area where you have taken away those temptations. Long hallways work good. Reverse heel is a good little drill. Um, this is all covered in our foundation DVD, I would say. Oh, uh, the puppy DVD too. We talk about recall. So our puppy DVD, I call it DVD. It, it is a DVD, but it also is a video that is digitally available now too. You can download it and you can watch it online. But the puppy video is, we cover recall. Uh, we cover stuff like crate training. We cover stuff like, um, housebreaking, stuff like that, place training, simple, pretty simple stuff. Foundation video is an extension of it. And guess what we cover in that one? Recall. We cover heel, sit, stay, come when I call you. Um, a few other things, but the recall is in both of those videos, and that's for a reason because it's such an important part of this. So without recall, I think recall, I, I just saw a thing. I, I follow a guy named Robin Watson, real good trainer. I recommend him. Tibia Gun Dogs is, is his page. Um, and he, I just saw he made a post the other day. Um, he said something about the most important skill in a dog is recall. I have a hard time arguing with that. I like, I think heel work is really important too. Um, and I usually, if someone asked me, I would probably say heel. But thinking about it, man, recall maybe is more important. If you can't get your dog to come to you, how do you get your dog to heal, right? So I think recall is something that we put a huge emphasis on. That reverse reverse heel drill is real valuable. You can do that in the hallway to start out with without distractions. From there, you can move to an area with a little bit more distractions. From there, a little bit more. And what needs to happen is, is the dog needs to perfect it in each spot along the way. And then you add another layer of distraction, another layer of temptation, and then you continue to move move on from there. We got so we're gonna move on to the next one. I got that one thirty call. Yep. So we're gonna wrap this up pretty quick here because I do have a I got a conference call I gotta jump on. That's it for me. That was the only question? Yep. Okay, good. Uh ten week old puppy. This is from Bryce she Sheehan. Ten week old puppy started the simple things, sit, stay and heal. Started playing fetch in the hallway. He's doing good. Is there any extra information you can give me on training this early with a pup and good habits we can start? The extra, I would watch Live with Spry. It's on our YouTube channel. It's a playlist. I'd watch Live with Spry. I'd watch um, Bella Be Good, which is an ongoing series that we're doing right now. I'd watch Inside the Workshops. That's an ongoing workshop work, work series that we're doing right now. 
I look at all the other videos on there too. Um, you kind of kind of have to sift through some of that stuff. Our training videos, uh, those are 100% my roadmap. Um, what do you, more stuff to work on? I think you're doing a lot right now. I I would be careful. My if I have any hesitation, I would say I'd slow down a little bit. I'd get really good at those little things that you're doing. I'd make sure that we're not having any accidents. I'd make sure that we're settling into the kennel. If you're steadying up at feeding time, if you're making a few, few simple little puppy retrieves in the hallway, that's about it. I'd do two or three a week, not two, three or se- not two or three sessions, two or three retrieves. That's all you need. As long as it's nice little retrieve, be done with it. Shape and form the delivery. Um, sit, stay, and heal. Ten weeks old. Yeah, you can start it, but that's you're gonna. I'd say you're going to be working on that for the next 10 months. So I think what I see, what I'm reading into this, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I'm reading into this is, is Bryce is finding a lot of success early, which is awesome, which is great. You've done your homework. Now people get too much momentum, too much confidence, too much excitement, too much I want to do this, 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 this. We want to do everything. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks because you're going to go too fast too quickly for the dog and then it's going to it's going to slow down and you're going to get frustrated and then from your frustrations dog's going to take steps backwards even further and then from that it's just a snowball down down downward spiral slow down i would say enjoy it Bryce have some fun with it i i i would say love this time that you're at right now cherish these little wins understand that some problems are going to come um but i as far as things you can do early you're doing them Slow down and perfect them. That would be my recommendation. Uh, Bryce says, I'm using a sock tied in a knot for fetching right now. Perfect. I use a balled up sock. I think it's perfect. Helps with the hold. Helps with the delivery because the little puppy teeth can't spit it out. So that's perfect. Um, love all your advice. Followed the technique for crate training. No attention for whining, barking. Didn't get out unless he was quiet and our dog likes his kennel. And so Jamie Webster has had a lot of luck. Jamie Webster was at a workshop a long time ago. Um, Loves his personal area. Also love that you stress you have to get past the frustration. Yeah, we getting past the level of frustration, being okay with imperfect stuff, guys, is really important. I did a Bella Be Good. We filmed the Bella Be Good today, and she made plenty of mistakes. Every one that she made, I looked at it as an opportunity for us to get better, and I went, good, glad you did that. I, there was a time in my life when I was such a nitpicker, and I wanted to get do stuff constantly perfectly that... I'd have been frustrated with that session. And man, I'm not, I'm not frustrated with it. I enjoy it. Um, okay. Um, that might have been it, man. That might be all the questions that we got live here. So appreciate you guys watching on Instagram and on Facebook. We recorded it. This is going to be just another podcast. I think it's going to be number 62 on our podcast. So um, it'll go 61 is kind of connected to this one. So if you want to listen to, if you've not listened to the podcast and you are interested you can get them on any app that you get a podcast on. Um, and eventually I think we are actually going to turn them into a vlog. We're going to put them up on our YouTube channel, but that's something in the works. Um, thank you guys. Hang in there. I think we've got a couple of ideas Ben and I are working on of things. I just think right now is a really important time for us to try to help people, uh, not just us, but everybody. Um, we're in a weird, we're in a weird place right now and, um, we can let it affect us however we want. I think we, I think that's one of the great parts about it is we've got a choice. Um, our choice is going to be, we're going to try to do some things, um, to help, help you guys that are interested in training your own dogs, um, in, in, on, in, on other levels too, outside of just the dog stuff. So, um, we're working on a few things with that. Um, apologize for putting this on my personal page live instead of dog bone we were trying to do it on dog bone but um we won't make that mistake next time uh it we're gonna depending on how we how we do here we may do a few more of these podcasts we're gonna be one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to do more podcasts now because we realize that people have some opportunity to to um spend uh utilizing them putting them into work i think you can study training all you want you can read all the books you want you can watch all the videos you want you can do all the stuff you want it won't help you if you don't actually do it it's amazing you gotta you gotta put it to work so i do think one of the things about this time is we've got an opportunity that ended did we run out of time on it 
Oh, I bet you can't go over an hour. Yeah. So we ended on Instagram. Um, I, what I was going to say was take advantage of this time. I, I, I think, it, it, again, it's how you, you want to use it. Um, I am going to look at it and go, man, this is, I have opportunities to do stuff I couldn't do any other time of the year um, with our family, with our dogs. Um, just, I, I just think it's an important time for us to stay together, stay strong, stay positive. I'm so tired of the negative stuff. Um, so this is one of the things that we're trying to do uh, to offer some things out there to help you build on that relationship with your dog. It turned into the longest podcast we've ever done, unfortunately, uh, for the podcast people. But appreciate you guys listening, supporting. Uh, we're going to continue to do them. And we've got a couple other things that we're working on as well. So please keep an eye out for that stuff. Otherwise, time for a conference call.